0: Um, hey, it's good to see everybody on this uh, second Sunday of July. Some of the traveling people are getting back. You know, we're going to get there. August is like a family reunion. It's like everybody's back. Everybody's back in house. I love it. But it's good to see you uh, here today. Thanks for being here. If you're watching online, we're glad that you're joining us as well. You know, it's, it's good online, but it's better in the house. And if you're able to get here, we want you to be here in person uh, if you can. But, you know, we've been in a series all summer long. Called the armor of God. And this series is all about spiritual warfare and how we can use the weapons that God has given us uh, to wage war against the enemy and win. And last week we took a, a short break from the series, and my father-in-law was here and he preached an amazing message out of Revelation chapter one called He Holds the Keys. And if you missed that message, you want to go online and check that out sometime this week, either on the podcast or on our YouTube channel. It was absolutely amazing. But today, I want to continue our series, and I want to talk about the next piece of armor that Paul mentions in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. So let's look at that passage of Scripture together in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 10 and read through verse 16 today. This is what the Scripture says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Today we're going to talk about that shield of faith, and I've got three things that I want you to know about faith and how it works as a weapon for victory against our enemy. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us through his word today. Father, we love you, and Lord, we just thank you because... Your presence is in this room already, God, and you're so good to us, Lord. Uh, You don't have to do anything for us, God. You've already done enough, but Lord, out of the abundance of your grace, you give us one blessing after another, and today's been another blessing, Lord, just being with you in your house, but God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word now. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me to speak your word, God what you would have us to hear today. I pray that we would hear it and receive it in our hearts, Lord, that it would produce a harvest of righteousness within us and cause us to become more like Jesus. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I don't have to tell you this, especially if you've been here and been a part of this series with us for the last several weeks, but we are in a spiritual battle. And we have a spiritual enemy uh, that we just read about. We have a a real-life adversary called the devil. And I just want you to understand, he is real. He's not a figment of your imagination. He's not something that somebody made up. He's not a fairy tale. Satan is real. And we're not here to exalt the devil today and make him bigger than what he is or anything like that. But Paul wrote that we should not be unaware of the devil's schemes. And I think it's important for us to know that this is real. Spiritual warfare is real because we have a real adversary. And our adversary, the devil, he has an agenda on the earth. Jesus told us what his agenda was in John chapter 10, verse 10, where he said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Then he said, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. But our adversary, the devil, comes to take what does not belong to him. He comes to steal it. He comes to kill. He comes to take the life out of what God breathed life into and what God called to be made alive. He comes to destroy. He comes to tear down the works of God, the things that God has established on the earth. That's what Satan is trying to do with coming to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his one agenda, and there is nothing good that comes from him, only death and destruction, grief and despair, pain and turmoil. He is the author of confusion. He is the father of lies, and the Bible says he is seeking someone to devour. And the reality today is that our enemy, the devil, has targeted you and I for attack. Why is that? Well, it's because he's targeted all of those who belong to God and who are not of this world. See, his aggression started against God himself long ago. You can read about that in the scripture. He declared war against God in heaven long, long ago. And then he declared war when he was cast down from heaven. The Bible says he declared war against all those who belong to God, sons and daughters of God. And so listen, if you're saved, if you profess to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he has targeted you for an attack. Revelation chapter 12 tells us that The devil wages war against all those who keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. What is that testimony? What are we talking about? It's who we know Jesus is, and it's what we know Jesus did for us. It's that we know that he is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for the sins of the whole world, that he was buried in a grave but rose again three days later, conquering death, hell, and the grave, that he ascended into heaven, and he he is seated at the right hand of God the Father, ever interceding for you and me, and that he is coming back one day for his church. He has not left us alone down here to fend for ourselves. He is coming back one day, and he's going to take us to be with him. That is the testimony that we hold of who Jesus Christ is. And that testimony, watch this, that testimony that we hold fast, it enrages our enemy so much so that it causes him to target us for spiritual attack because he hates the testimony about Jesus. Well, let me tell you what else the Bible says in Revelations chapter 12. I love this because it says that though he wages war against the sons and daughters of God, it also says in Revelations chapter 12 verse 11 that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So get this the same testimony that infuriates him and draws attack against us is the very same thing that leads to his defeat. While Satan is busy trying to deceive and destroy and tear down the people of God, we have a testimony we've already been given through the power of Jesus Christ and his precious blood. And that testimony that you carry that causes you to be a target for attack is the same testimony you carry that causes. Causes you to walk in victory. Causes you to tread on serpents. Causes you to live as an overcomer over anything that the enemy brings against you. It's the work he's already done. I love Romans chapter 16, verse 20. It says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Hallelujah. That's who he is. That's who God is in us through Jesus Christ. And I want you to know today that it is the will of God, without any doubt, it is the will of God for you and I in Christ Jesus that we live in victory over our enemy, that we tread on him, that he stays under our feet. We don't have to give in to him. We don't have to give up ground that we're called to, uh, to, to, to inhabit. We don't have to back down. We have an armor of God that we can put on that causes us to be able to fight against him and be victorious through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen. The attack of the enemy is real, and I don't want to make light of that. Sometimes the attacks that we go through from the enemy, I would say they're severe. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes there are seasons of attack, and it seems like the enemy is just relentless in his efforts to try and discourage us with attack after attack after attack, and it makes us want to quit. makes us want to give up. And Those seasons of attack that we go through sometimes, they're real, And when we're in one, listen, there's nothing easy about it. Have you ever been there where, like, literally you can't go to sleep because there's a spiritual attack as soon as you close your eyes? You wake up in the morning and there's another one. You go to get your afternoon coffee at work and then somebody says something stupid and then you got another one to deal with. You know what I'm talking about? It's spiritual attack after spiritual attack. Then you get on Facebook and see that's always the problem. Then you're in another one. Just don't do that. Don't say anything. These seasons of attack, when we are in them, they're difficult, they're tough. But when we realize who we are in Christ Jesus and we realize the testimony that we carry, listen, we're able to carry on because we know that no matter how severe the attack of the enemy is, it is not stronger than the testimony we hold fast to of what Jesus Christ has already done. We're not talking about what he's going to do for us. It's what he's already done. He's already set us free from the law of sin and death. He's already purchased our salvation on Calvary, and there is nothing the devil can do to change who you are in Christ Jesus. If you've been redeemed by his blood, we are in a war, but the victory is ours in Christ Jesus. And this armor that Paul outlines for us in Ephesians chapter 6, it's been given to us by God so that we can fight and win in spiritual warfare. So that when the enemy targets us for attack, we can can be victorious over him. We can defeat him. Now, so far, we've covered three pieces of the armor in this series. I want to go back through these real quickly because I want to show you something. Uh, that, uh, that, that I think is important to understanding how to utilize this armor. The first one we talked about was the belt of truth. And see, the belt is essential because it holds everything together. Truth holds everything in its place. And you've got to first establish what the truth is before you can move forward into what God has for you. Now, God has, it's not a mystery. God has revealed what truth is in his word. And when you choose to live According to his word, you walk in the truth. But if you choose to live contrary to the word of truth, listen, it's impossible for you to live an overcoming life. You're going to lose every spiritual battle that the enemy engages you in because you have failed to put on truth. You failed to establish it in your life. I want to be real clear about this before we move on. If you're living under the influence of a lie, you cannot win in spiritual warfare. You're going to lose every time. That, back, that that buckle of the belt is like agreement, okay? And so when you come into agreement with a lie, then you're not wearing the belt of truth, and you can't walk in victory. You can't come into agreement with a lie that the enemy's told you and still walk in victory. You've got to first buckle truth around your waste, and then refuse to live under anything that is not in alignment with the truth of God. And we're dealing with this in our world right now because the media, our politicians, are even, even, well, I'm just not going to say that, but let me just, we're dealing with a lot of different segments that are lying to us all the time. You know what I'm talking about? And if you are not buckled into truth, you're going to fall for every lie they're telling you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The lies that they're telling you are not for your good. They're not to help you. They are to harm you. So you've got to live in the truth if you're going to overcome the attack of the enemy. I'm not going to take my cue from anything that is not true, anything that has not been established by God as the truth. And the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth, and it says that he will lead you and guide you into all truth. If you're not sure about something, then you need to go to the prayer closet and not what CNN is telling you and ask what God thinks about the matter because whatever God thinks about the matter is the truth. Amen. The rest of the armor is dependent on you wearing your belt. It's dependent on the truth being established. The second one we talked about was the breastplate of righteousness. I love righteousness because it's not about what we accomplish for ourselves. Righteousness is not about what we earn from God. It's about what has been done through us by Jesus Christ Christ. On the cross, the Bible says that he took my sin away from me, and in its place he gave me his righteousness so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the breastplate that we wear, it's made to connect to the belt. Righteousness is made to connect to truth. This is how it works. God reveals what is true to us in his word. And then when we hear what is true and we choose to align our lives with truth, That causes us to live righteously. That's righteous living. It's like putting a breastplate on. And what does that breastplate do? It protects us from the assault of the enemy, targeting those most vital organs, targeting your heart. The breastplate of righteousness, when you align yourself with the truth of God, it protects your heart from the attack of the enemy. And then thirdly, we talked about the shoes of peace. And then, you know, we talked about how the shoes we wear are made for spiritual battle, and uh, they're designed to help us resist and advance, and four times in in the scriptures we just read in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us to stand, and here's the thing, you can't stand very long if you're not wearing the right shoes. Come on, ladies that wear heels, you know what I'm talking about. You got to take those shoes off, you know, walking back to the car, you're hurting, but you can't stand very long if you're not wearing the right shoes, and The shoes that God has given us are made for us to be successful against the attacks of the enemy. They're made to keep us standing on our feet instead of laying on the ground. And we covered those three pieces of armor. But here's what's interesting to me in the text, and this is what I want you to see. With all three of those pieces that we've already talked about, Paul tells us to put them on. Paul tells us to wear them. He tells us to buckle the belt of truth around our waist. He tells us to put the breastplate of righteousness and secure it in its place. He tells us to fit our feet with the shoes of peace. These pieces of the armor that we've already talked about, they're like clothes that we wear every day as we live our lives for Jesus. When we put on Christ, like Galatians chapter 6 tells us to do, This is what it looks like to put on Christ. It is to put on his truth and to put on his righteousness and to put on his peace. We wear those things and we don't take them off. They're like the uniform of the Christian. Every single day when you wake up, you need to make sure you're wearing truth and righteousness and peace. But there is a shift in the text as we talk about the next three pieces of the armor of God. And with these next pieces that Paul talks about, he doesn't tell us to put them on and wear them like He does the first three pieces of armor. He tells us to take them up. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 with me again. It says, in addition to all this, the things that you wear every day, He says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And the next parts of this armor are weapons that we take up. Listen, they are designed for specific moments and specific purposes in battle. And this shield that Paul is talking about, that he tells us to take up, is designed by God to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. I love that. Let's talk about the shield for just a moment. And what Paul actually had in mind, because I think it's really important for you to understand, he's writing this from a Roman prison. He was a Roman citizen. He knew the Roman world. And, and, and pretty much every scholar, except for one crazy one that I saw on YouTube, uh, believes that he had a Roman soldier in mind when he was writing about this armor. Okay, and, uh, and so he's looking at this, and so the question is, what kind of shield would a Roman soldier have? What kind would he take up? And there are actually two different kinds of shields that Roman soldiers may have uh, been holding back in Paul's day. One was kind of circular uh, shaped. It's the word auspice in the Greek. I've got a picture of it. I want you to see. There you go. This shield uh, is like the gladiator shield that Russell Crowe was in. Come on, has anybody seen that movie? It's one of the best movies of all time. Yes, so good. Carmen actually loves that movie. That's, it's like a, hey, it's a man movie that she loves, and it's a great night. You know what I'm saying? It's awesome. Ugh, people are dying. I love it. <laughs> not really but this is the kind of shield that like you would use in like one on one close combat it was it was light and it was small but it was still effective if you knew how to use it and it allowed you to move around as you you're blocking the blows from your enemy and you're looking to strike a blow with your own shield but there was another kind of shield that was common in Paul's day that a Roman soldier would take up particularly when a soldier was a part of a Roman legion and he was marching out to meet an, an enemy. He was marching out maybe against a fortified city. This shield is a large rectangular shield that was designed to shield the whole body. And this is what it looks like. It's this long rectangular shield. You can see what this guy, this is an actual picture from uh, 3 B.C. And uh, found, found in, with the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's amazing. <laughs> but this, this shield, this is the Greek word thurios, and uh, this is actually the word that Paul uses here in the text. This is the kind of shield Paul's talking about. He's not talking about the small Captain America shield, the round one. He's talking about this big rectangular shield in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, when he says to take up the shield of faith. This is what he wants you to have in mind as you're thinking about spiritual warfare. And this shield, you can see it was a big shield. It was typically four feet tall by two feet wide. It was made to extend from the shoulders all the way down to the knees. These shields weighed about 22 pounds on average, historians tell us. And, you know, this shield is not something that a Roman soldier walked around with all the time, like his belt or his breastplate or his shoes. This shield was a weapon that the soldier had as a part of his armor. And when, when the time was right, when the case uh, arose, he would take that shield up when it was time to go into battle and it was time to meet the enemy head on. Now, here's the thing. We think of a shield as being a defensive weapon only, but the Roman shield that you saw on the screen there, it was actually both a defensive and offensive weapon. And it's one of the reasons that the Romans were so unstoppable in battle and why they took over so many lands and conquered so many empires when they were at their peak. It's because when they advanced forward with these shields, they were almost impossible to stop. And see, I believe what Paul wants you and I to understand today about spiritual warfare is that when it comes to spiritual battles and the attack of the enemy, you don't just have to sit back and take what the enemy is dishing out. You can take the fight to him. These weapons in our armor, they are not just defensive weapons. They are also offensive weapons, and there are times when when God will give you the command to rise up and march against the enemy in the power of the Holy Spirit. You are fitted with shoes that are literally called readiness, and when God says, I'm ready for you to move, those shoes cause you to march in advance, and when you go up against the enemy, and you're moving forward into his calling and purpose for your life, you're moving forward into his plans for you, into the places and positions God has called you to inhabit as children of God. Paul says, when you run out to that fight, Don't go without your shield. You've got to have the shield of faith because the enemy you're going up against has flaming arrows. They're firing at you. Let's talk about those flaming arrows for just a moment. Because back in the day in in battle, and you see this even in the Old Testament, the enemy would wrap an ordinary arrow in flammable materials, and then they would light it. With a torch. And when they shot arrows at an invading army, they didn't just shoot like an an arrow, they shot like a flaming dart, a flaming arrow. It caused it to be like a missile. And what that did is it it, it caused great damage if it hit you, of course, but it also caused damage if it landed anywhere near you, because it could start a big brush fire. And this is the picture that Paul is painting for us in the text. He wants us to understand how our adversary, the devil, fights. And of course he has flaming arrows, right? I mean, of course he's going to fight with flaming arrows. That's what he's about. He shoots them our way, and they do great damage to us, and they can terrorize our minds if we're not ready for the way he fights. And I, I, think, I think there's three common arrows that the devil likes to use against us. I think about these right off the bat. The first one is doubt he comes against us with doubt doubt uh, arrows that are designed to get us to doubt god's love for us his care for our lives he will attack us with doubt to try and get us to doubt god's power and provision and his ability to move on our behalf he'll get us to doubt uh, what god has said and 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 what god can do he attacks with doubt because he knows that unbelief can do great damage hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says and without faith it is impossible to please God. So if he can attack you with doubt and get you to drop that shield of faith, he knows that he can do great damage against you. He attacks with doubt. He also attacks with arrows of fear. And we, we just sang about it. I love where pa- Pastor Mark moved with the Holy Spirit and ministered on that. But, but you've got to understand that when the enemy is, when you're coming at him with that shield, he's going to attack you with fear. And, and when, when, when an enemy force would do that, it was, it was not just to create uh, a, a big damage if it hit anywhere near you. It was also a psychological effect. When you saw flaming arrows coming at you, it terrorized you on the inside, and 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 especially at night. Literally, armies would flee and retreat just at the sight of flaming arrows on the battlefield. They were scared of that. See, fear is a reaction to what we see or perceive around us. And fear, by its very nature, is designed to keep us from moving forward in God. It's designed to get you out of the fight instead of going forward and moving forward in what God has for us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 says, but my righteous one will live by faith. Watch this. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Fear will cause you to shrink back. So the enemy will come at you with arrows of fear designed to get you back, to move move back, Not, not to approach where God is calling you to go. The devil also sh- also shoots arrows of discouragement at us. And see, discouragement arrows are setbacks that are designed to make us think it's over. Listen, setbacks are not defeat. Some of you have faced a setback recently, and it made you want to give up. But listen, you're not defeated as long as you keep fighting. You're never defeated as a child of God unless you quit fighting. Discouragement are setbacks, but it's not the end of the story. But that arrow of discouragement he will shoot at you is designed to make you want to quit in the heat of the conflict. I'm reminded of what Jesus said to Peter in Luke chapter 22, verse 32, when he told Peter, there is a spiritual attack that is coming your way. And Jesus told him, I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith would not fail you. And see, when Jesus was arrested and crucified, Peter lost hope. He got discouraged. He saw a setback and assumed it was a defeat. He abandoned the fight. And the Bible says he went back to his boat and started fishing again. But God had called him to be a fisher of men. He he let go of his calling to go back to where he was. What caused him to do that? It was intense discouragement. It was a feeling of hopelessness. And eventually the resurrected Christ appeared to Peter and restored his faith in God and his plan for his life. But listen. That's what the arrows of discouragement are designed to do. They're designed to cause your faith to fail. And Satan knows that he can defeat you if he gets you to withdraw from the fight, to quit before you realize the victory. Now, what's interesting to me about all three of these arrows is that faith is the supernatural substance that extinguishes all three of those things. And that's why Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, to take up the shield of faith because holding that shield is how you defeat doubt. Holding that shield called faith is how you overcome fear. Holding up your shield of faith is how you come back from discouragement and understand that in Christ Jesus you've got an enduring hope. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, look at it again take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I've got to point out this, too, before we go, go on. The wording there for you can, that's the word dynamo in the Greek, and I love that because it means you are powerful. It means you are able. Listen, the enemy wants you to think that he's got control and dominion over you. But according to the word of God, you've got dominion over him. You've got power over him. God has called you to walk in victory. And you're looking at these flaming arrows coming your way. And you're thinking, there is no way I can get through this. God wants you to know you are powerful enough to get through it with the shield of faith. You are able. You can. There is nothing stopping you from moving forward in God. Your faith overwhelms whatever the enemy is throwing your way. Your faith extinguishes it. Your faith quenches it. The Greek word for dynamo, get this, it's where we get the English word dynamite. And so the enemy is throwing a flaming arrow at you. But listen, you've got a shield of dynamite. Come on, somebody. Whatever the enemy comes at you with, it is no match for your faith in God, and what the enemy wants you to do is he wants to get you fighting without your shield so when he shoots doubt your way or fear or discouragement, he'll hit his target and you'll be defeated. But God's word says all we have to do is take up our shield when we go into battle, and our faith extinguishes everything he's throwing our way, everything he's doing, all the fire he's throwing at you is extinguished by what? By faith. You've just got to pick it up and hold it. By the way, when we were singing today, I'm gonna, I gonna—I didn't know where I was going to say this, but I'm going to say it now so I don't forget. The Lord spoke to me, and he said that some of you cannot... Take up the shield of faith because you're taking up other things. And the thing you think you're picking up is helping you, but it's actually not because it's causing you to leave your shield over here. And God wants you to know you need to drop the thing you've been holding on to, whether it's sin or some kind of shame or a belief system that's not in line with God's word. You need to drop what you're holding on to and take up the thing that actually causes you to walk in victory over the enemy. The thing you've been holding is not serving you well. We've got to take up the shield. And that's why the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, it says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. How is that possible? It's because you've got a shield of faith and every single arrow, no matter what kind it is, it is, it. It causes, faith causes it to be extinguished. The moment it comes into contact with the shield of faith, it loses its bite. My faith extinguishes the attack of the enemy every single time. And listen to me. This is what God wants me to tell you today, church. It's time for us to start walking in faith again. It's time for us to stop living by sight and start living by faith in who God is and what he has said and what we know he's going to do. Listen, it is time for us to believe again. Believe for impossible things. Believe for great things. Believe for the things God has promised you and spoken over your life. Listen to me. There is nothing too difficult for God. We are people of faith, but we've got to live like it. Amen. Faith is a powerful weapon in our warfare. So let's talk about faith for a minute before we leave today. And there's a lot of directions we could go with this. There's a lot of ways to look in the Scripture and understand faith. I mean, Hebrews chapter 11 is an incredible chapter on faith where we read about the heroes of the faith. And if you haven't read that, I would encourage you to read Hebrews chapter 11. It'll it'll blow your mind what, what men and women, ordinary, normal people did because they chose to live by faith. But today, for the purposes of understanding how faith helps us in spiritual warfare, I want to look at three aspects of faith that we see in Scripture and how faith works for us both as a defensive and offensive weapon. And the first aspect that I want to talk about is the faith. The faith. Big T, big F, the faith. And this is kind of a defensive posture of that shield. But when we talk about the faith, what we're talking about is a belief system. The faith is what we believe about God who He is, what He's done, and what He's doing now. The faith is not just what we believe about God. It's what has been handed to us and passed down to us from generations of people who were walking with the Lord. It's that great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews talks about. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it's been handed to you. Paul told Timothy, the faith has been handed to you. He said, I saw it in your mother. I saw it in your grandmother. Now I see it in you. There's a faith that you carry that, that has been handed to you, and it's like a shield. And you need to know that that faith, the faith, has been a target of attack from the enemy since the very beginning of this thing. In fact, most of the New Testament letters that were written by Paul and the other apostles were written to refute attacks on the faith. The faith came under attack by a group of people in Paul's day known as the Gnostics. They began to change the fundamental truths about Christianity and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They even wrote their own versions of the Gospels, and many people were sucked into that. It was was heresy and blasphemy, and the Gnostic teachings were something that the early church had to contend with and had to fight against. The faith came under attack again in Paul's day by a group called the Judaizers. They were preaching a works-based faith instead of a grace-based faith. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, they were preaching a different gospel, one that was not the gospel of Christ and was simply throwing the church into confusion. There were others as well. There were a lot of attacks on the faith. And what I want you to know today is that there is nothing new under the sun. The faith is still under attack Uh, Today, just as much as it was back then and maybe even more so. The enemy is still targeting the faith for attack, trying to poke holes in it, trying to pick it apart and convince the church that they can keep this part of the faith. But we need to throw this part out because it's not culturally acceptable anymore in this age in which we live. And and, and just as some were influenced by this attack in the early church, many are being influenced by this attack of the enemy. Right now, during the COVID, COVID pandemic, church statisticians tell us that one-third of professing believers in Christ walked away from the faith. What happened? It was an arrow of fear, and, and people got afraid, and they, and they just quit on God. They just left the faith. In fact, now, and you've seen this in the news, whole denominations of churches are departing from the tenets of the one true faith that has been handed down to us in the Scripture, not because God revealed a greater truth to them and a, and a greater path that's in line with His will, but because they are simply going along with the tide of the culture Around them. They're departing from the faith and building a faith of their own that's not from God. It's built on doctrinal error, acceptance of sin, embracing of lies that masquerade as truth. They throw out passes of scripture they disagree with or that they deem socially unacceptable. They tout a faith that is no faith at all. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 says this It says, There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, watch this, one Lord, one faith. There's one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through and in all. There is only one true faith. And if you depart from that, you've gone into apostasy. The Bible tells us in the last days a lot of people are going to be pulled into that. But there is always going to be a remnant on the earth that stands for what is real and stands for what is true and stands for what God has handed down to us. Amen. It's the faith. In Jude chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible exhorts us to contend for the faith. That was entrusted to God's holy people. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Paul wrote this. He said, fight the good fight of the faith. And then he said this, take hold like a shield. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses in an age when the faith is under attack how do you fight for the faith this is how you fight for the faith you fight with the shield of faith let me show you what i'm talking about second corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Watch this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God that has been given us through his word. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's what the shield of faith does. It's a defensive posture and when the enemy is attacking us with doubt about who God is and what his word really means and, and 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 all of these cultural arguments, we can just lift up our shield and say you're not going to change my mind about what I know the scripture says. You're not going to move me from this place that God has established me and called me to stand in. I am going to contend for the faith. I'm going to lift my shield of faith and I'm going to fight for victory. Amen. It's a defensive posture. I want to talk about my faith, too. There's the faith, and then there's my faith. See, the shield is not just a defensive weapon. It's also an offensive weapon. And our faith is not just something that defends us against the darts of doubt. It's also something that we use to advance and take ground in the face of arrows of fear and discouragement. See, the, the, the shield is a tool. It's a weapon for advancement into the promises of God for my life. And fear is often the thing that is standing between where I am right now and what God wants for me. Listen, I'm not waiting for God to come up with a plan for my life. Most of the time, God is waiting for me to just mobilize my feet and walk into what He's already planned for me. But because where I stand right now and what God has for me, There is is this opposition, there's this opposing force, and there are arrows of fear coming at us. And that's why we have a shield. We want the assault against us to stop. And we say, Well, God, you know, I'll move forward into what you have for me when things calm down a little bit. Come on, has anybody ever said that? Yeah, I'll I'll do I know you're calling me to do this, but I'll do it when things calm down a little bit. My life is just a little crazy right now. (laughs) What is that? It's arrows of fear causing you to step back when God is calling you to move forward. We, we, we stop ourselves and, and we forget that we've got a shield and we want the assault to stop, but God wants us to pick up our shield and mobilize our feet and go up against the enemy and defeat him and move on into what he's got for us. And I believe the Lord spoke to me about this service today. And I believe he told me it's time to take up faith again. Listen, it's time for you to move forward. Some of you have been apprehensive. There is a fear that you've been holding on to. I believe it's already been lifted off of somebody today because of the prayer of faith we've already prayed. You've got to walk in faith and not by fear. It's time to move. You've been hunkered down waiting for the barrage against you to stop. God said, pick up your shield and stand and see the deliverance of the Lord, your God. He is calling you to advance and move forward into every promise he's spoken over your life. Faith is the key to unlocking what God has spoken over you and what he has for you. The Bible says the righteous live by faith. We're not called to shrink back and retreat. We're called to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and advance through the enemy into what God has for us. Walking by faith is simply believing God. It's hearing and obeying. And listen to me, obedience is an offensive posture it's it's a posture that moves it's a posture that advances you look at it in the scripture people when they were obedient to god they didn't stay where they were they started moving they started working they started doing something there was action to it the shield says i believe god you know isaiah chapter 53 talks about two reports and then it asks the question whose report will you believe What report will you pick up and hold on to? One report may pull you down into discouragement and defeat and leave you stranded in the place you've always been. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said that some have abandoned the faith and have so become shipwrecked. What's he talking about? They've become grounded. They've become stuck. They're not moving forward anymore. And some of you maybe have believed a report that did not come from God and it's caused you to become stuck in your faith walk. You have not moved forward in years. You're stuck right there because you believed a report that was a lie from the enemy. But there's another report Isaiah chapter 53 talks about. It's the report of the Lord. And you can choose to believe that one. You can choose to put your hope in the report of the Lord. It's not based on what you see. Listen to me. It's not based on what you feel. It is based on what God has said. I feel the Holy Spirit right now, right here. Hallelujah. It's based on what God said. And if He said it, He's going to do it. If He said it, He's going to accomplish it. If He said you're healed, you're healed in Jesus' name. If He said you're whole, you're made whole in Jesus' name. If He said He's going to heal your family, He's going to heal your family in Jesus' name. There is no weapon formed against you that can prosper when you lift up the shield of faith and you start walking by faith and not by sight give God praise today and let me catch my breath for a minute Woo. the armor is made for advancement the shield is not just something you hunker down behind and hide there's a season for that david talked about it hiding in the cleft of the rock it says the name of the lord is a strong tower the righteous can run into and they're safe that's what that shield is sometimes it's safety for you it's protection But that doesn't last forever, and God will say, okay, get up, and it's time to move. And I want you to take that shield you've been hiding behind, and I want you to take that thing and just nail somebody with it right in the face. And when I say somebody, yeah, when I say somebody, I'm talking about the enemy of our souls. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Listen, I want to be real clear about that. Amen. Listen, faith, it's a belief system, but your faith is not just a belief system. Your faith, if it's real, is also an action statement. Look at James chapter 2, verse 17. It says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, it's dead. There are two dominant faith actions that I see in Scripture. It's what we say and where we step. It's what we speak and where we step. I think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. When he told his disciples, he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, watch this, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and what happens? It will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. If you've got faith that is real, not just what you have on the inside in a belief system, if you have a real faith on the inside, it's going to come through in what you say, how you speak, how you look at something and determine what you're going to do about it. You can speak a word of faith and And that word causes the shield of action to be lifted up in battle and go to war on your behalf. Actionable faith is seen in what you say. Actionable faith is also seen in where you step. We look and we see uh, an army of opposition standing between us and the promises of God. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself today because I see it right now. I know what God has called us to do. I know what God has called me to do. And I look forward and I see this obstacle and this issue. And how are we going to get through this? And how are we going to figure that out? And I'm like, God, God, how is all this going to happen? And I hear the Spirit of God saying to me, if you'll just start stepping, I'll start working. And every step you take, I'm going to give you as your inheritance. Hallelujah. And that's not just a promise for me. It's a promise for every one of us. I believe that. That's what the Bible talks about in Hebrews chapter 11. When it talks about Abraham, he went to a land he had never even heard of before because the voice of God told him to go, and he started walking. I love Joshua chapter 1 verse 3. Watch this promise. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Amen. There's the faith. There's my faith. And then there's our faith. I want to end by talking about our faith real quick. Because when, when we walk by faith and not by sight, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen in our journey. God can direct my steps. And everywhere he leads me, when I'm walking by faith, he gets glory from my life. Because every step is a miracle. Every step is his promises coming to fruition in my life. But watch this. When I come together with my faith and I join it with other people of faith, then God can do amazing things for all of us collectively as we move forward together as a church. And see, what you need to understand about God is that he is not a God of just addition. He's a God of multiplication. That's why the scripture says in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 8, it says, Five of you shall chase a hundred And a hundred of you, watch this, shall put 10,000 to flight. That's not addition. Math is hard, but that's not addition. That's multiplication. Look at verse 9. For I will look on you favorably. I will make you fruitful. Watch this. Multiply you, hallelujah, and confirm my covenant with you. See, there's something about coming together. As the people of God, in faith, believing in faith, that impossible things are going to happen. The Bible says that Jesus could not do many miracles in Nazareth. You know why? Because there was a massive lack of faith in that town. But everywhere else he went, miracles broke out. Why? Because the people came together to receive from the Lord, and they believed God for great things. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. He said, again, truly I tell you, watch this. If two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Watch this. If two people can bring their faith together and call it our faith. Then whatever we ask, according to the will of God, it is going to be done for us. Heaven will invade the earth. We will see amazing things happen. A husband and a wife, if they can come together and agree on this one thing, hallelujah, God will move in their marriage. If, if two friends can come together and come into agreement in faith, they will see God do something amazing in their lives. If a whole church full of people can come together trusting and not doubting in the power of of God. Let me tell you what happens. God shows up, and He begins to do incredible things among His people. Mountains move for them. Revival breaks out for them. Multiple homes and families are restored, and a community, a city, or a region experiences the power of God like never before. Hallelujah. When we come together, amazing things happen. It's our faith And see, the Romans understood this. i got to give you this quickly. They understood the power of the collective shield, and they actually invented a special formation using their shields collectively. It's called a testudo. I want you to look at this. This is what a Roman legion would do when they called for the testudo formation. And you see it right here. The front line kept their shields like they always would, right in front of them. But then the, the second line behind them lifted their shield up and came up over their head. And then the third line did the same thing. And the fourth line did the same thing. And these guys over here held it. like. And, and everybody with their shields, they created this, this just like moving fortress that you could not hardly penetrate all the bodies. We're protected by everybody's collective shields of faith. And watch this. It didn't matter what kind of arrows were being shot at a testudo formation. You could not break through that. It was like a tank coming down the battlefield. Come on, somebody. You couldn't stop the thing because the guys beside you and the guys in front of you and the guys behind you all had your back, and they were all protecting you and keeping you with their shields of faith as well. Listen, me and my shield is awesome. God can do awesome things through my faith. I can believe God for great things, and I know he'll do it for me. But something crazy happens when I join my shield with your shield, and we join them with their shields, and together we become a mighty fortress of God advancing on the enemy. We are a force that cannot be stopped. And listen to me today. Some of you, you've been vulnerable to attack and defeat when it comes to spiritual warfare lately. Because the enemy has isolated you. He has pulled you away from the protection, from the force of shields of faith that he's designed for you. He's been shooting flaming arrows of discouragement and doubt and fear. And you've responded by withdrawing from your safe place with the community of faith. You've isolated yourself. You've lowered your shield. Listen to me. That's not serving you well. If you're not in the house today, I pray that you're with us in spirit because something amazing happens when we come together in faith. Listen, the enemy is going to attack you every single Sunday morning and tell you you don't feel like coming to church. The enemy is going to attack you every single time that the people of God come together and tell you that you're just not up for it. It's just not the right time for you. But listen, you've got to mobilize. You've got to pick up your shield because I'm dependent on you coming with your shield and you're dependent on me coming with mine. And when we come together, we become a force that the enemy cannot stop. Hallelujah. And this testudo formation, man, I love this thing because it, it's, it offers protection. But listen, they don't just stand there. They're moving. They're like this. They're coming at you. And you're firing all these arrows, and they're just bouncing off everywhere. But this formation just keeps on coming. So we're protected from the attack of the enemy. But at the same time, we're moving forward in faith and in the power of God. I want the band to come up and begin to play softly. And I want to show you one more picture of this testudo formation before we go. Because the Romans would call for this formation when they were marching into battle, and, they, and the enemy had flaming arrows. But they would also call for this formation when they were attacking a fortified position, when they were going up against a city with walls. Look at that. I mean, it's almost, look look, look what they're throwing down on them. That looks like a tire. I mean, I guess it would work. <laughs> I mean, they're doing everything they can to stop this thing, but you can't stop it. That's the power of this testudo formation, everybody coming together. You know what we call that in the Bible, in the New Testament? We call that the church. And I love I love this. I, the Holy Spirit just brought this together for me because this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He said, on this rock, I will build my church. And watch this. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What does the gates mean? It means there are walls. He's not talking about the enemy coming at you while you're standing on a hillside somewhere. He's talking about I just gave you the call to move and that fortress is in your way, but you're going to get together with everybody else and you're going to attack that thing and the gates of hell will not stop you from tearing that thing down and overcoming that fortress of sin. That's what the testudo formation does and that's what faith does for the church when we come together collectively as the body of Christ. It's not just about you and it's not just about me. It's about us together walking into the promises of God in one mind and in one accord. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us when we attack that thing as a unified force of faith. Amen? Amen. Come on, stand with me all across the room. I was thinking about strongholds. Sometimes we live with strongholds in our lives, and man, we just, we want to break out, but we just don't feel like we can. You know, there's a lot of thought, a lot of, a lot of different opinions about what we might call generational curses. And I'm just telling you, look, I've ministered to enough people. They're saved, they're on their way to heaven, but they're dealing with something. They're dealing with something. Their grandmother dealt with it, their mother dealt with it, their father dealt with it. What is that? It's a stronghold that's taken root in their family. And that stronghold is almost taunting the spirit of God and saying, I have dominion here. I rule and reign in this family line. And grandpa was an alcoholic. Dad was an alcoholic. And they're going to be an alcoholic. Mom was addicted to drugs, and she's going to be addicted to drugs. And her children are going to be addicted to drugs. But this is what I see in the Scripture. I see that our God is a God that is big enough to break down every stronghold and that he's strong enough to turn every curse into a blessing. And the thing that the devil's been using to hold you and your family back, God's actually going to turn it around and use it for your good to be a blessing to many people. But how do you tear that thing down? You come together with other people who believe what God can do. and You put your faith with them, and you attack that stronghold together. You say, we're going to keep on praying until the addiction is gone, until our children are set free. We're not going to give up until we see the promises of God come to fruition. Every single one of them are yes and amen to the glory of God the Father, and it's time Listen, Life Chapel, it's time for our church to come together in unity of faith and fight as one. Because when we come together, every single thing God has spoken over us, it is coming to pass. He's going to do it. Amen. Amen. When I was a, a young boy, I grew up in church. And man, there were just some services where our pastor would say, today I want everybody to come down to the front. I want everybody to come down to the altar and pray. And we would just all come together, and we would stand in the altar. And it was like we were a unified force to let the devil know, you're attacking this guy, but now you got to mess with me too. And you've been attacking this family over here, but you know what? I'm standing with them now, and I'm lifting my shield up for them, and you can't have them. You can't attack them like that anymore. And I saw God do amazing things. And as I was praying about this service and what God wanted to do, I just felt like he said, just call everybody down. And let's build a testudo fortification today. And let's together attack the fortresses of the enemy, the gates of hell. If you believe in the power of God, if you're a person, of, if you came in here carrying a shield of faith today, would you just get out of your seating? And-